2: Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB, Talk860, and womentowatch.net. I'd like to give a quick uh, shout-out and reminder um, to have you follow us on all of our social media platforms uh, where we put out a lot of information on our upcoming guests and events. So please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And be sure to tune in to womenToWatch.net to our podcast. And that's women the number two watch.net. I'm going to get right into introducing our guests this afternoon. I'm so thrilled and really honored to have with me today Sharice Smith. Sharice uh, is a partner with Paul Hastings and her focus is in telecommunications, media, technology, privacy, and cybersecurity. security. Charisse, thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I'm really excited about spending the afternoon with you guys and looking forward to uh, talking with you and your listeners.
2: Terrific, and uh, I just thank you for taking the time out of what I – can only imagine is a very busy schedule <laughs> it is but
1: these things are very important and any kind of advice information or just you know uh discussions about my personal experiences happy to discuss and, ha- and help and hopefully this will um be, you know be used by others to forward uh to help with their own careers yeah i'm
2: sure it will are you calling in from dc today I am. I okay. am actually
1: in D.C., which is a rare thing these days. I spend a lot of time uh, in New York, Silicon Valley, and L.A. So okay. um, I, I do the I call it the rectangle uh, circuit at this point.
2: Right. Well, those are all nice places to visit. You get a little <laughs> exactly. bit of a little bit of everything. Exactly. So, listen. I want to start out um, to give the listeners a, a you know more of a sense of of who you are and where you came from. Um, to talk a little bit about your childhood and growing up in South Carolina, um, I understand your your dad was an attorney and mom was a school principal so those I would imagine are two good um, leaders that kind of led by example for you tell me a little bit about those years growing up well you know
1: um, it, it's very interesting because for many many years um, I said to anyone who would listen there was no way I was ever going to be an attorney, <laughs> because, you know, I was able to watch my dad, knew how much time, effort, kind of energy it took to really be a great attorney. Mm-hmm. And while, you know, from a child's perspective, you kind of look at that and say, yeah, okay, you know, have no interest whatsoever. Um, on the other hand, you know, there were times where he would come home and discuss the things he did and I thought, that that's pretty interesting. So you had that side of the equation, and then you had my mom, who was the most amazing mother ever. Mm-hmm. who led with love and support and security but also was very much a, a taskmaster and said you know education's important learning a lot's important doing your best and finding your thing
2: mm-hmm. is
1: all that we really ask and so that was kind of the background that i had going growing up And it allowed me to really be able to dip my toe in a lot of different things and ultimately decide to follow kind of my passion, which in the early ages, um, I wanted to be a journalist.
2: (laughs) Uh, Right, uh, right. A news anchor, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to be a news anchor. And at that time, you know, being quite candid, there was no one who really looked like me um, Mm -hmm. on TV. And there was no kind of role models. And being very practical parents, my parents said, you know, why don't you go get a business degree, you can always use that and think later on about kind of what you want to do. And so I'm very lucky in that now I have a combination of law, but also in the media technology uh areas, which kind of allows me to still live out my dreams in a, just a very different way
2: yeah, so I guess you really you never regretted that decision, even though your first you know your aspirations were um to be in media um you've really developed into quite a successful attorney that that as you as you said, gets to um dabble a little bit in media.
1: Oh absolutely. I'm yeah. very I love what I do. I really do. I have clients that I love, but it's it's being in the news um kind of area, being in the content area, being in the technology area, but just in a very different way. So I'm still able to kind of enjoy what I was passionate about mm-hmm. when I was younger, just just likes it a very different way.
2: Yeah. And of course, you know, when you grow up with a mom who's a working mom outside of the house, that's always a different experience than, than having mom at home. What did, right. what did that kind of leave you with as far as pursuing a career as a female? You know, it's very interesting because, you know, I laugh
1: with my mom and I say, I don't remember a time where she wasn't there for the things that were important to us. And, you know, she laughs and says oh, there were things I didn't, you know, make. And I said, but I don't remember that. Mm -hmm. And I think it was because we were always clear about the things that were important. I have a brother and we were like, we need you here. We need you here. We need you here. And she was always there and she showed up for anything that mattered to us. Um, And that didn't mean everything, but it meant the important things. And so for me, I always grew up just thinking that women can work and be amazing moms and take care of the household because my mom did it. Right. And so now that I have two younger kids, I really try to keep that in mind um, by saying I'm not going to be there for everything. And that's okay. Right. But I will always be there for the important things. But it's just as important for me to have my own thing, to have my own life, to have things that I'm proud of that has nothing to do with being a wife or a mother or anything but kind of my own expertise. And, mm-hmm. and so far, so good. We'll see what yeah. they say in 15 years. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> well, that's such a great outlook because I think as moms, we're always harder on ourselves than our kids are. You know, it's, it's interesting. Your mom right. remembered maybe some of the things she missed. Of course, you didn't because, you right. know, you had enough love to fill all those gaps. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about when you were growing up. You know, we clearly in reading your your bio and your background, Sharice, you've just been very, very successful. You seem to have everything that you do, you seem to do with really great confidence and a very positive outlook. I'm wondering what was possibly a challenge for you as a young girl. Did you have any of those um you know, self-doubt, things that kind of, you know, gave you some trepidation in in things you were pursuing and perhaps still um, battle with today? Well, you know, it's interesting because, um, you know,
1: I I was always encouraged by my parents to try your best, do your best, and, and kind of define success that way. But I think if we're all honest with ourselves, you know, there you always have that moment of, oh my gosh, am I a fraud? Am I, you know, is someone going to discover I'm not really good enough? And, you know, I think that's always something that people and in, I think in general women battle with. Mm-hmm. But my mom and dad from a very early age just said, you know what, you're not going to be perfect at everything um, and that's okay. But what we would always be disappointed in is if you don't try, if you don't give it your all. And so my definition of success has just changed. I'm like, I'm going to always do my best, and I'm always going to seek for my own personal kind of, you know, excellence. And then I'm okay with kind of how it shapes out from there. And so I think I do have a very high bar for myself, and there are times where I'm like, oh, did I set it a little bit too too far? But (laughs) I have a pattern of success, and it's kind of like, you know what? Usually it always works out, and the times that you haven't done it, it hasn't been the end of the world, and that's right.
2: okay, too. Right, right,
1: <laughs> No one died. <laughs>
2: that's right. That's right. That's a great reminder. One one of the things that you said, um, this is not an exact quote, but it's something that I read that you said I think is such a great outlook, and I would imagine it is um, what is with you when you perhaps are, you know, the only female in the room or the only woman of color in the room. And you said that you found – and you do find energy in realizing how much you can learn from so many different people from diverse backgrounds. So rather than kind of have that fear, um, you know, of diversity, or perhaps being the only one in a room, you looked at it more with an exciting curiosity. Geez, I can absolutely. Yeah, that's, um, is that something that developed over time? Or did you always have that? You know, my
1: parents were, you know, I loved them to death, and I called them, but I'm like, they were pretty hardcore. Um, you know, And, you know, I had a That's good. very were... interesting conversation with my dad early on who said, look, someone's going to, you know, you're always going to find someone who doesn't like you because you're black. You're always going to find someone who doesn't like you because you're a woman. Okay, deal with it and move on. Mm. And so it was kind of like, oh, oh Okay. And that's kind of always the way I approach it. It's like 99% of the time, there's never been a problem. And that one time, I'm kind of like, it's more your your problem than mine. Mm. And so when you look at it that way, it's also I've been able to kind of think about how I can best use the diversity, whether it be um, race or my gender, to my advantage. And particularly with the media and technology and privacy and security, there aren't a lot of us. And so what I found is early in my career, people remembered my name. Mm -hmm. people remembered me because they were like, well, there's the black female, Sharice. There are only like three of us in the industry, you know, and so I just kind of used that, you know, to my advantage. And people would, you know, ask me to serve on boards and do different things that I'm like, well, I'm going to take this because, you know, this chance and show them that, hey, as a woman, as a minority, I'm pretty good at what I do. And, And let that be the reflection, you know, particularly for those who may be, working with a woman or working with a minority for the first time, I may be the first, you know, person who colors their kind of idea about what a minority or a woman should be mm, or could be.
2: Right, right. I I love that. And I also love the fact that your parents, this is kind of old fashioned, but I remember hearing this growing up as well. You know, life's not fair. Right. <laughs> and yeah, that, you know, that's like, oh, a oh, great, <laughs> yeah, it's three words, but it's, it's very true. And it kind of gives you that, um you know, that backbone that we need
1: absolutely and they were always there you know if I ever had a moment to be loving and supportive and all that kind of stuff but then it was all right let's figure out how to move on and so hopefully with my children I can instill that in them as well because I do think it's the difference between cowering or or just saying I gotta you know just move on and 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 do what's best for me and and make this work
2: right so you have had um i 'll say four very successful and, and important positions with four different organizations. You um, started out at Arnold and Porter um, that you then were with Washington Post Digital. Um, you went on to the Federal Communications Commission, and today you're with Paul Hastings. And you, you spent a significant amount of time at all four of those, um, those firms. Can you briefly tell me um, two things? What precipitated each move from one to the other, and, and what is it that you learned from each one that you, you know, use uh, in your work today?
1: So, you know, I started out um, at uh, Arnold & Porter here in D.C. And, you know, I think going to a law firm, particularly as a young associate, is just invaluable experience. You need to go somewhere where someone is going to teach you how to be a good lawyer. And it's not just what is the law, but it's what do our clients want? How can you basically articulate things in a way that makes sense to a client? How can you be a business strategist? not just a lawyer, and Arnold and Porter really gave me the building blocks for that, mm-hmm. how how to be a good lawyer. And then, you know, I say I, I always get the lunch invitation, and that's kind of the running joke in my family that I go out to lunch with people who say, hey, hey, I have an opportunity, and I'm like, oh, I'm never leaving. And then the next <laughs> week I'm like, oh, I'm going. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so the first one of those was really, um, you know, a lunch. There was a partner at Arnold and Porter who said, hey, I know this great guy, Cliff Sloan, he's general counsel of, of at then Washington Post Newsweek Interactive, which changed his thing to Washington Post Digital. He's been looking for someone. They haven't found the right fit. I think you guys would be perfect. And I thought, you know, no, I'm on partnership track, on own portal. Why would I leave? I sat down with Cliff, who I should say is one of my closest, dearest friends to this day, mm. um, and who has been one of the most amazing, I think, people and mentors in my life. But we met, we clicked, and the next week I was gone. Um, and basically it was, wow, you have this opportunity to go into a new media organization. You know, that was at the very beginning of the post going online and figuring out how it was going to do digital products. And, you know, there was no law there. And it was the exciting thing was you can basically be at the beginning stages of building that. Mm, And that was just something I couldn't turn down. Um, and so I was there for all of those years, really building out, media online, media in the mobile you know, area, media with privacy and security issues at the very forefront. And then I got the next call, which was from Julius Janikowski, who ultimately ended up being the chairman of the FCC, who said, hey, I've been hearing a lot about you, why don't you come to lunch?
2: <laughs> and you thought, oh, <laughs> and, oh here we go again. <laughs> you know, here
1: we go again. And I yeah. thought, I'm not going to leave this. I'm general counsel here. This is a great job. It's you know, one of my best just jobs. And I met with Julius, and he said, you know, I'm I'm really trying to change the FCC. I'm really trying to move it into the 21st century, and I'm looking for someone who has kind of the business and legal advice to help kind of mold us into the next generation. And, again, I was like, ooh, that sounds fun. (laughs) I'd love to be at the beginning of that while we're changing the agency over into, you know, something else where broadband and mobile devices was going to really be the big thing, no longer just the wireline and phone companies. And so I went there for four years and and did that and, and, like I said, learned how regulation was made, learned how the sausage was made, learned what policymakers were concerned about. And at the end of the four years, and that was a, po- a political appointment, I thought what to do next. And Paul Hastings you know, and other firms came knocking, and I was just really taken by what Paul Hastings was doing. They are, you know, a wonderful, big global law firm focused on, you know, technology, media, privacy, and security, and really building out something that made sense in a very collegial environment. And I came in, was blown away by the attorneys and thought, I can basically bring all of my skills, both my prior law firm, my my in-house experience, and my regulatory experience to help the clients that I've known for 20 years and been here almost three years now.
2: Yeah. That's that's wonderful. It first of all your your reputation obviously preceded you and you know it was so clear that each one of those moves was because you were doing great work and people were were noticing and talking about it. Yeah, so yeah,
1: thankfully it was really you know I'm very pleased that. I mean your reputation and I say this to to kind of our young associates here. It means everything. I mean your experiences uh the things people suggest you for, even the work that you get really depends on whether people think high love you or know something about you, and that's kind of you know the opportunities I've been blessed to have all of these years.
2: Mm. You know, and you, I try very hard not to
1: disappoint. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, I think you're doing a good job. You know, you mentioned um, Cliff Sloan, and I, I had noted that he has been a you know a, a very significant mentor for you, um, and and he was with the Washington Post. Tell me what, how important do you think it is for women to have male mentors, and and do you think there's a difference? Um, whether you know your mentors are male or female,
1: so I don't think there's necessarily a difference. Um, I think you need a mentor who actually cares and who is actually willing to invest in your time. And for you know, with Cliff, that's been my experience. I mean, even now, in fact, a couple of weeks ago, I called him about you know a, a personal situation that I wanted to you know get his his opinion on. But he cares about me professionally. He cares about me personally. He was willing to invest in time. And training me when I worked for him, he invested time now, even when we're on, you know, he's at another law firm, we can talk through legal issues, you name it, because he cares about me and my development. And now that I have kids who, you know, I, I laugh, Uncle Sloan, you know, now you've got, you got another generation to deal with. Yes. I think in my industry, however, there's just not a lot of women. So the reality is if you only focus on female mentors, you're going to really be locking yourself out of people who may have very different experiences from yours. So yes. I think it's a matter of finding kind of the people, like I said, who will invest the time in you and really care about your development. And that can be a woman or a man. And, but the reality is, more likely than not, they're going to be more, mostly men, not women.
2: Right. And so and that's just a numbers issue. You know, I I wanted to talk to you briefly about women in the legal profession and ask you, you know, what is your assessment of opportunities that are available or perhaps not um provided for women in law. I've learned a great deal about the profession from doing this show and and interviewing female attorneys and I really had no idea we were so kind of in the dark ages. Um When it comes to, um, I don't necessarily want to say equality, but that the opportunities for women really have um, a long way to go when it comes to men and women in law. What is your, your take on that?
1: because you've seen this major evolution I mean when I got out of law school many 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 years ago (laughs) you know it was a big thing because my class was one of the first classes at Northwestern that had 50 percent women and 50 percent men and you know that was huge and very touted and you could see the changes in the industry Mm -hmm. and then now 20 years later there are not a lot of us who've stuck around and the reality is the chal- you know the challenges are still there whether it be you know how do you balance being a mother and being a partner at a law firm how do you balance kind of moving into you know I said a a very challenging career it goes back to you know me saying when I looked at my dad there's no way I would want to do that because I knew what it took right. to really be a great attorney and a lot of people say you know it's just not worth it um and you know you're trying to balance so many things I do think, however, that law firms and, you know, uh, in-house companies, et cetera, are trying. They're trying to really focus on ways to make it better. So you see mentorship programs being instituted at a much earlier stage Mm -hmm. in careers so that it helps both men and women. But, you know, there's a little bit kind of, you know, more focused on women to say during the early years, we get it you may, you know, we want to make sure you're getting the same opportunities. Right. You also see them starting to move into part-time um, situations. Like our firm has, uh, you know, some of that flexible working hours and and stuff like that to try to, you know, during those young years, I call them, you know, the young years. And I, I saw that with myself where you're just trying to, like, get through the day between birth and, you know, five. <laughs> yes. And then they yes. become more self-sufficient. And you're like, okay, I can get back. And I think law firms are starting to really – embrace that Mm -hmm. and to make change and so i really do think that if we watch you know the next five to ten years hopefully those things will make a difference but it you know it's difficult It's, it's hard to
2: do do you have a single piece of advice for women who are pursuing a law degree how do they maneuver um the challenges you know that that are obviously there
1: uh, Going to law school or or once
2: they get out? once they get out, yes, for young women who are just, you know, starting out in the the legal profession. In other words, I think they struggle. Do they speak up? Do they, you know, say, I don't know that I'm receiving, you know, what I should be here? Do you kind of just lay low and prove through your work, (laughs) you know, and show what you can do? The biggest thing I tell kind of um,
1: young um, women attorneys is, Stop pretending like it's just you. You cannot do this by yourself. Every one of us who succeeded had someone we could call up and say, oh, my God, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Help <laughs> right. me. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, I, I I don't know how to navigate this situation. I mean, a very personal situation I can tell you is when I was at the FCC and had my first child and came back, I thought, you know, knowing how demanding that job was, I said to my, my then boss, the FCC chairman, I don't think I can do that. I'm not sure, you know, that I can give you what you need to really be an effective chief counsel now. And he said, I refuse to take that as an answer. You will not quit. How do we make this work?
2: Mm.
1: And he said, let me give you, you know, give you some time to figure it out. I know being a new mom, you know, it's hard and you just, you're overwhelmed, but let's give it some time. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me because basically after six months, I'm like, okay, you know, not easy, but.
2: Doable. I get it. Yeah, I, right. It's
1: doable. And right. that whole first year when I was kind of figuring it all out, we made it work. And then, of course, when the second child came, I was like, been there, done that, I got this. Right. And, But I would not have known that had I not gone to him and just been honest that I don't know if I can do this. Let me be very open and vulnerable. I'm not sure. And mm-hmm. for him to be like, yeah, no, you can't. Right.
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. you know,
1: now, you know, when you see women who come into the profession they're not gonna know how to do a brief they're not gonna know how to do a contract and I'm like be honest about that yes find a surrogate find a mentor and go to them and say I need your help with X because more likely than not people will help you but they won't know that you need help if you're sitting by yourself saying I'm supposed to figure this out I'm gonna look vulnerable if I don't admit this or vulnerable if I seek help because men do it all the time Mm -hmm. (laughs) and don't think twice about it and so I'm like use your resources I am successful because I always had people who I could go to to say, "Hey, let's let's do this together and let's figure it out and help me figure it out and help me be a better, better attorney."
2: Yeah. That's great advice to not be afraid to say, "I don't understand this." <laughs> right. And when you're pretending you have it all together, um that's not that's not a good uh way to go. Exactly. Yeah. Listen, I wanted to bring up another personal um, experience that you had that actually flabbergasted me. I couldn't believe when I read this, but um, there was a time when you were a young attorney and you uh, stepped up to the podium to to begin a case, and a judge actually said, he looked at you and he said, can someone send the real lawyer in here? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so what I want to know is, what did you, I know that you just kept on going and, you know, didn't really flinch. What what did you say in your head when you heard that, that allowed you to have the confidence to just continue on with, with the case um, in yeah. that moment? You know, it was that moment where you have a couple of thoughts. Really? Did he really just say yeah, that? Right. When I read and that, I there, thought, really?
1: Right. And then there's that time where you go, oh, my gosh, you know, there's that half a second of, I am a first year attorney. I don't know what I'm doing. And then after I kind of just took a step back mentally and said, no one knows this case better than me. I mean, you know, it was a small matter. It was in South Carolina. I knew it. I'd been doing all the work on it. And I was like, you have to be okay with the fact that good, bad, and different, no one knows this better than you. And all you have right now is kind of your knowledge of the facts, your knowledge of the law, which you've been spending all this time researching, and just the fact that you can fake it and yeah. be very confident. And I just right. said, we're going to go with this. Right, right. And that's what I did, because I'm like, well, at the worst case, is he going to say, you know what, you, you didn't do a great job, and you know, and, and go from there, or... You can just kind of show him what you have. And I think, you know, the other thing my husband and my family will say is I have a lot of pride and I never want to be embarrassed. And so Mm. that kicks in a lot of time too, where I'm like, okay, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to do a great job. And Mm. I just went, you know, went for
2: it. Yeah, we we call that now an Amy Cuddy, you know, kind of fake (laughs) it till you make it. (laughs) Fake it till you make
1: it, exactly.
2: Right. And Um, it's
1: another tool in the toolkit for, for anyone starting out where you're like, you know, You, as a junior person, will always know the facts, will always know the details. At least that's your job. If you want to be successful, know it. Know it, but when a partner comes to you and says, God, I remember this fact, you should be able to say, not only do I know it, but it's on page 32, and I already have it printed out for you. And that knowledge gives you power, because as a partner, I'm looking at the big strategy. I'm looking at the big deal. I'm looking at the CEO C-suite. You, junior person, are the one basically handling it. And there should be confidence because no one can take that away from you. No one can take away the fact that you know it better than pretty much anybody else if you're on top of the stuff. And that gives you confidence when you've studied, when you've gone through it, when you've, you know, you've rehearsed, that is great power mm-hmm. and that's great confidence.
2: What about the fear, you know, you have to recall uh, and remember so many facts um, that that you might forget something?
1: And that's Okay. Yeah. One of the yeah. best pieces of advice I got was, you know what, if you know it, speak up. And if you don't know, what always works is, I don't know, but I'll get back to you in the next hour or right. the next few right. hours. Right. Because right. people just want a response. They don't want you to figure out everything. I mean, usually, you know, particularly with our clients, when they come to us, it's because it's hard, right? And, you know, they're all smart. They all have great in-house staff who can figure it out. They're coming to us because it's the nuances. It's the things that they can't think about. They don't have time to think about so a lot of times I'll get questions from attorneys where I'm like, you know, here's my gut because I've been doing this for 20 years, but let me drill down on this and get back to you by by this time. And I've never had a time where people were like, no, I want you to go with your first answer and you're stuck with it. Right, that's never happened. That's
2: never happened. So yeah. You know,
1: that's kind of how you handle it. You just say, hey, I don't know, and I'll get back to you. Yeah
2: so a lot of your time Sharice, is spent in um working in c- cybersecurity i mean that's that's one small niche of what you do but it's such a hot topic today and and actually right. um this afternoon president obama came out and spoke uh about the fact that we have a long way to go and a lot more to do. When right. I hear when I hear phrases like that, I get a little scared. Um, and you know, <laughs> we do too. <laughs> yeah, I I will tell you that just just this past month, both myself and my daughter um, were uh, our uh, accounts, our bank accounts were hacked, and you know, someone in in my case, it was somebody in Florida took out all my cash. Right. Um, you know, that's something, that's a that's a daily concern and a worry. Um, one of the questions I had for you is, um, how does that happen, number one? Um, how does somebody actually get, you know, into my account and then, then take cash out? And do you think, how close do you think we are to having a handle on it? Or are we really, you know, uh, in a daily situation where, um, you know, it's, we're there's always a threat there's always going to be a threat
1: so um you know there's there's good and bad news there okay (laughs) give it to us straight (laughs) right always going to be a threat i mean what i tell my clients is it's not a matter of when you're going to you know if you're going to be hacked it's going to be when and how Hmm. to be best be, be prepared for that right but but what's funny to me is that you know you see the big news um articles about oh, this country may have hacked into this, you know, this secure uh, facility, or we think this group may have hacked into this bank or this news organization. But most hacks come from employees, information being left around kind of in hard paper form. So, you know, I actually had a call from a client on Friday night where um, an employee left a laptop that with unencrypted information. Kind of simple, right? I yeah, mean, it's there you not a big bad boogeyman. There's it's just the somebody left a laptop, right? Or you go to you know a restaurant and you give the server your credit card, and you know most servers are great, but there could be that one who copies your 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 information, your security code, everything that you have on that card. And how do you protect against that? So most of the stuff and the hacks and stuff like that you'll find are just those basic human errors mm-hmm. or kind of things that are hard to. to to, to really prevent, um, and that's the majority of them. For the bigger hacks, you know, the reality is it's going to happen, and most of these big organizations, particularly banks, have robust security measures. I mean, extremely robust. And the reality is they're going to catch 99% of them, and every now and again they'll be that one. And, you, you know, that's where regulation and laws come in, and mm-hmm. that's why you, the consumer, aren't responsible for it is, you know, that they're trying to figure out who should bear the risk when there is a breach or if there is, you know, some situation where someone stole money. You don't – you're not responsible. I'm sure you had to fill out a paper that said, I you know, these are not my charges. I did not do it, and within you know 24, 48 hours, the money's back in your account.
2: Right, that's right. That's that's kind of the
1: reality. So consumers are, are, you know, they try to be consumer friendly and to protect against the consumer. Because the other thing is that, from a policy perspective and from a government perspective, you want innovation to happen. You want technology innovation to keep going you you know consumers want it easier they want it i mean i know i do i'm one of those people even though i do privacy and security if i'm online and they're like give me your information and i want it bad enough i'm like yes yes yes. click 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 (laughs) click you
2: know like on zappos you know you're exactly
1: right you want all my information here you go but you you know so the reality is you're balancing The need for technology innovation, the need for the fact that the more you put online, the more you put on mobile devices, there's going to be a chance that someone hacks. And how do you protect consumers against that when it happens? And I think that that's the tension and that's the push-pull, and that's what President Obama means by, you know, we need to do more. So there's going to be reasonable security that you expect, you know, a lot of the big companies to have. On the other hand, we also want regulation to keep up and make sure that consumers are protected when, you know, there is a a breach or something that happens.
2: Right. Well, that's good to know. That makes me feel a little bit better. Um, Cherise, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'd love for you to talk briefly about uh, what small business, you know, women entrepreneurs can focus on as far as privacy issues and and the laws. Sounds great. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone, to this week of Women To Watch here on WWDB Talk 860. Um, I want to quickly give out our call-in number. If you're listening and you wanted to call in and ask a question to Sir, uh, Charisse directly, our call-in number is 888 and um, we have, you know, quite a bit of um, entrepreneurship is, is on the rise, and women in particular, I think, are, are starting uh, businesses um, at record speed today, which is exciting and wonderful. And I wanted to know if you could just give um, a little bit of advice on what they should be focusing on when it comes to privacy issues and laws for their small businesses or mid-sized businesses.
1: So I think there it's a two-prong approach. Um, you know, starting a business bless the people who do it because I'm like, you know, I think what I do is hard, but what they do is really hard, <laughs> and I give so yeah. much credit because it takes a lot of work and passion to do that and, and bless them. And I'm so glad that we have people doing it, particularly women with everything else that we, we're dealing with. Right. But I think about it from a two-prong approach. One is really understanding kind of what the nature of your business is and really getting a handle around the laws that are applicable to you. So, you know, the the thing about the US is that, you know, there's not one privacy law. There's not one size fits all. And you need to really understand what privacy laws fit you. So if you're a health business, there are going to be HIPAA and and health-related laws that are going to impact you. Mm -hmm. If you are a government contractor, there may be more Department of Homeland Security matters that uh, impact you. If you're doing kind of banking or payments issues, there may be, you know, payments and privacy uh, issues and then state laws may um play into that as well so really figuring out what laws even apply to you is i think the first thing secondly is really understanding the nature of your third-party relationships i mean this goes back to us talking about kind of where breaches happen where issues come from and that the fact that most of them aren't these big bad boogeymen that you hear about mm-hmm. it's really the personal relationship third-party vendors are a huge issue, making sure that you work with reputable people who aren't, you know, who are going to deliver what they say they're going to deliver, if they're giving you a privacy solution, a security solution, making sure they actually are the best for, you know, whatever business you have and making sure they have a record for standing behind what they do and making sure that they have their own protocols for security and privacy so that if they're hacked, you're not kind of implicated by them. Mm. And so I think that's kind of the bigger things I would say when you're, you know, when you're first getting a handle on on these issues those are the things that i would deal with because there's a lot and you gotta you know you gotta pick and choose you can't do everything
2: that's right well and you know as an entrepreneur you typically you're you're you don't have the funds to hire an attorney who can have your back is is there a place that that you can go just to get some general you know education or information on some of the you know policies in your own state and in your own industry Absolutely.
1: So I always suggest going to the FTC site, the Federal Trade Commission site, because they have a lot of frequently asked questions and a lot of help manuals on a variety of privacy and security issues, which gives you kind of a basic lay of the land for whatever industry you're in. And then usually within those frequently asked questions or those advisories, they'll have a hey, if you're an ex state call this group, call the the Better Business Bureau, call the Chamber of Commerce, or whatever group really kind of helps facilitate issues around privacy and security in your state. And that usually will give you a number you can call or another website where you can go get just the basics. But I always, always, always tell people to start with the FTC site because they really do have a lot of great information that will give you a basic lay of the land.
2: That's great. That's great. Um, Here's a question for you, Cherise. I wanted to know... um, and we talk about this on the show but i talk about it a lot with my my peers my family my co- my colleagues um you know we have access today to news and uh globally you know we know every day all day long what's going on you know on the entire planet it's a lot right. of it's a lot um to take in and one of the things I wonder, you know, when you when you have that kind of information coming at you daily all of the time, it can be a burden and it can kind of, um, I would say, affect your judgment on, on reality, what's really going on. And right. when we think about the world and the issues that we have today, I want to just know your personal opinion on whether – you know are things worse today social issues or is it just that we know about it and we can see it and 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 you know hear it every day what what's your personal view i think my personal view is it's a little bit of both
1: <laughs> um you know i think when you look at kind of various issues they come and they go Um, You know, for many, many years, you look around at kind of what's happening, what's being reported on now. For many, many years, these weren't, you know, issues that people talked about. But now it's at the forefront. And Mm -hmm. who knows in five years it won't be. So I think that, you know, just the nature of kind of our societies, that they are going to be issues that are going to be more important uh, at certain times in our history. But I think, you know, without a doubt, the ability to hear about it more to to get that information kind of constantly fed at you in a 24-7 news cycle also heightens people's um, thoughts about it, heightens their kind of awareness about the issues, Mm -hmm. so that I think that we become much more um, conscious and reactive to what's going on in a faster pace. Than we did 30 years ago. Right. I mean, like I said, 30 years ago, a lot of these issues were still there, but it took a while, you know, because you only had, you know, the CBS, NBC, ABC news out there reporting it, and then you kind of would talk in you know, your churches, your synagogues, your, you know, your meeting places, and then, you know, you would kind of have the slow burn and, until you got to a point where people said, okay, this issue is important, we need to address it. I think right. now you just have gotten a faster timeline on a lot of these issues because it is every day and people can can really rally around things very quickly
2: right that's exactly right you know that's that's the perfect word to say that it heightens our um our fears and you know with being a mom and you have children what what is it that scares you most about today's world what would you like to see changed for them
1: Ah, I mean, you know, as a mom, everything scares me. (laughs) It's so disturbing. You know, I used to be so cool before they, you know, they came into my life. Now I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, the the thing that scares me the most, I think, is just I want my kids to be good, good people. I want them to grow up with a sense of responsibility because, you know, let's be honest, my husband's an attorney. I'm an attorney they're going to get a basic level of education. You know, mm-hmm. that's going to allow them to do a lot of things, be a lot of things. We're surrounded by wonderful friends and family who support them and love them, but I want to make sure that they instill a sense of being good humans, that there is something that's more important than just them and our lives and how can they make a difference? And I do worry that, you know, that the way the world is happening is people tend to be very insular and and there's not the same kind of need for people to go out and make a difference and I just want to make sure that they don't take what they have for granted and that they they want to do more and to be good people like that's my biggest concern and you know my husband and I will be the I think biggest influences, but you, you, we talk about news, we talk about friends. They're going to have access to stuff that I just didn't have access to and controlling kind of what they see, what they hear, having very honest conversations and dialogues even now that they're young mm-hmm. about different different issues. We we talk a lot in my family. We do because it's important for me to kind of say let's not hide issues. Let's really talk through them so that you understand. And as you get older, you'll be able to make your own judgments about things, but I want us to all be very conscious of it and very, you know, thoughtful of it and have your first thought about these things come from your parents and from your home.
2: Right. Well, I would say, I think one of the things that is is wonderful about today, and, and I've read articles about millennials being so much more socially aware um, than, than young people years ago, there are these discussions and conversations um companies are focusing on diversity and inclusion and they have you know events and organizations and our children are being exposed to these kind of conversations so it's good and i think they're getting it outside of the home as well as from parents right i'm hopeful
1: i'm hopeful that it continues like i said you know being in dc we do take it you know take for granted that that's kind of the case i mean the Living here gives you the best of everything, right? You have the museums. You have the Kennedy Center. You have just the diversity of the, the um Uh, neighborhoods around here and so you know they have the ability to see and to take in a lot Mm -hmm. um and and i hope that they they do that and and are able to learn from so many people who don't look like them don't act like them don't have the same background from them and then go from there and do something with it
2: (laughs) right you know
1: that makes it a better place how old are your children They're very young, three and a half and five and a half, even Um. though my oldest is five and a half going on 50. (laughs) (laughs) He's that kid. He's that kid. (laughs) Lots of questions, lots of, well, mommy, what about this? And so it's funny because I feel like he makes me a better person because my husband and I laugh. We're like, how many times are we going to have to go to Google for something, a five-year old laugh? Like, <laughs> <Right>. really?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I often say I, th- I wish more adults would behave like children as far as, you know, just the curiosity and needing, you know, I say to my kids, you know, don't ever stop asking why. Always continue exactly. to ask why. And And, exactly. you know, yeah, when they're little, they're driving you nuts, but it really <laughs> is, it's right. a great way to be.
1: And I will tell you from what I do now, it's kind of cool because even now at five and a half, you know, they're starting to think about, you know, my iPad, my iPhone, like as much as I try to keep them away from it, you know, they have it. And I think about it from their eyes. And I think about privacy and security from their eyes as I advise clients. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I represent a couple of people who are known for being big in the kid industry, but they are also doing this on mobile devices. And I think, okay, as a parent, when my child uses this, what do I care about? Like, what issues? How does this actually work? And so, like, they're able to help me be a better lawyer by being a great mom to them. Mm,
2: yeah. That's very true. Very true. They they really kind of um, open our eyes to a lot of things. Um, oh, absolutely. And you see things from a whole new perspective. I
1: mean, things that we grew up with it and we're now revisiting like we were able to read charlotte's web together and then watch the 1971 version of it and watching that with my now five-year-old when that was one of my favorite movies is you know it was just it's just different and i love that so
2: yeah. so another quote that i read um that I thought was just wonderful. You said, and this goes back to to early on in your career, and I think it speaks to why you, again, have had the success that you have. You said, I learned to take challenges early on in my career and be the person people look to if they have to resolve an issue. I wanted to know if you know explain to me exactly how you did that how did you make yourself be that person that people would look to were there purposeful things you did or was that just kind of your nature um i think it's my nature but it was also
1: purposeful so you know when i came in i was a young associate you know no one i mean a lot of cases and matters are details right knowing the 85-page contract up and down, and I always wanted to be that person. So, like, when the partner would sit around and say, well, what about this issue? I could be like, oh, well, it was on this page, and remember we talked about that. I I have a really great memory in general, so that's kind of a good. good thing. Yes. And so I could always be like, oh, you know, X, Y, and Z, not A, B, and C. And so that kind of started having people think, oh, she's on top of it. Sharice is always going to be on top of it. And I really prided myself on being that person. Mm. And then it was a matter of, like, on different cases. I mean, when I went to Washington Post Digital, it was a big challenge for me in the sense that I left, you know, the security of Arnold Porter, where I was working my way up. I knew the people. I'd earned their respect. And and I'm going into this new digital world with all these issues that hadn't even been resolved. And I was like, but if you go in now, you can be the first person to really – deal with these issues and so I was one of the younger attorneys like at these ABA meetings talking about very sophisticated legal issues because I was the one dealing with them every day mm-hmm. and there'd be, pe- be people who had been practicing for 15-20 years but because they were kind of I want to say the you know, mainstream media but you know they had grown up in the tr- more traditional way you know I was able to provide a lot more to those people because I was in the newer model the you know in the kind of Newer, changing, forward-thinking side of the business, which was really great. But yeah. it was scary because, you, you know, we were making it up as we went.
2: Right, right. Well, you know, it just seems to me that no, no matter what, you continue to, uh, you know, push through because you have this. Um, I would say it sounds to me like you have such a, a yearning for, to learn, to learn new things. And um, yeah. tell, me what, tell me what is the most difficult part of your job. What is it that you know is a challenge? Uh, Balance, (laughs) you know, it's it's the thing.
1: Balance, 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 and you know what I say to most people. You know, you have to kind of figure this out for yourself and what makes sense for you. But I compartmentalize my, my life into kind of three areas. You know, my job, and then I call it, you know, my family and friends, and then myself. And I have gotten to the point where I'm okay with, you know, usually two out of the three are like firing on all cylinders, but not all three. And I'm okay with that. But what happens is I need to, whatever third area is not being managed that week, then I try to make sure the next week that one gets handled so that not not all three are, are getting, you know, um, screwed at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so, you know, if I have been working a lot and then I come home and I'm spending time with my husband and kids and I'm not getting the, you know, spa time, then there will be times where my kids and husband know that yeah, I'm in my, like, I have an office that also doubles as like kind of my like little personal media room where they know they cannot talk to mommy for a whole day. I'll go in there and I read my trash, I watch reality shows, and I just kind of have my (laughs) moment to be, you know, a girl and do my own things and talk to my friends and kind of get back to what I need personally. I go get, you know, manicures and pedicures, and I tell them to go pound salt. (laughs) And my (laughs) husband knows that he's got to go take care of the kids. And so I just rotate. And if I'm, you know, if there's a slow time at work, I'm like, I'm okay. I don't need to worry about that right now right now that I need to take care of me and my family and so you just rotate and figure out whatever needs to be tended to at the time mm-hmm. but it's okay to not have everything going
2: right at the same time that's fine and I'm okay with that yeah that's true and you know kind of checking out is important kind of checking out from the absolutely yeah, from the heavy responsibilities is is always a good thing because you come back right you know rejuvenated Exactly. Yeah. Tell me, is there something that you are thinking about in the back of your head um, as far as career that you would like to accomplish down the road? Any kind of future dreams, goals, aspirations outside of law?
1: Well, at some point I'm going to host a news anchor program, just, you know,
2: okay. <laughs> I, I mean, one
1: day, I mean, like just, not, not forever, you know, but I would love to like, have a guest appearance on a show for like just 30 minutes one day. But yeah. no, you know, I the, I think the other challenge eventually at some point in my career is I'd love to go on the business side of media and technology company because I've done the legal thing and a lot of my career now is being more of a business lawyer than a section 203 kind of lawyer and so i kind of think at some point i may move to the business side of things and take on a challenge from a different you know different uh side but you know who knows i mean but i think if if i made a change that would be it
2: and what is it about the what is it that kind of interests you about the business end of it
1: what i love about what i do now is that people don't just come to me for a legal analysis they come to me to figure out how to get a product or service out to market or, how, or make it work with the legal kind of issues being in the background so that we resolve it to be as compliant as possible. But it does excite me to figure out, like, okay, how do we market this to the new generation? What do people need How does this impact kind of our business, our industry? What's the next challenge 10 years from? You know, those kind of business questions that, as a lawyer, I'm thinking about anyway to kind of give them the best legal advice. But some of that's different when you're thinking purely from a business perspective, and that kind of interests me and excites me. So who knows? Who knows in 10 years where where I'll be on that?
2: Right. Uh, Tell me what you do when we talk about uh, women's, organizations today that are supporting women and there are networking groups all over the place um first of all are you do you belong to some yourself and my guess is and i know that you've done some speaking and when you do what what is the focus that you want um to have and the messaging that you want women in those organizations to receive So I
1: do belong – so, for example, the American Bar Association, I'm a member of the uh, communications um, and media bar. But within that, we have a women's kind of group that meets periodically a couple times a year to just talk about issues that impact us. So I'm very active in that. And then I also call it, you know, my friend group. So, you know, we call it the – the women mafia, um, in the media <laughs> group where informally we will yep. all get together for lunches or breakfast and just say what's going on. And I don't shy away from that because I am a woman and there are issues that, you know, even my husband who's said as a lawyer too, I'm like, dude, you, you don't get it. So I, I need to talk to my female friends. Go, go, yeah. go away. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it makes a difference because there are always going to be challenges, um, that, that you that you face that is just going to be slightly different, or you just want to kind of confirm, like, am I crazy or is this important or, or what's going on? And then the messaging for me is always have a plan. And what I mean by that is you should always be thinking about what you want your next thing to be or what you want to get from a position. So when I came to Paul Hastings, for example, people said, okay, you're, you're going back to a law firm as a partner. What do you want to accomplish and I always I thought, you know, I've been able to do a great job in-house. I've been able to do a great job at the government. I was able to do a great job as an associate, but I've never been a partner. How can I help build out this practice? How can I become a leader at the firm? Those are two things I want to accomplish before I ever move on. And so I've made very conscious decisions, both with my clients, within the industry, and within the firm, to become a leader, to to accomplish certain things. And, you know, these aren't publicly stated things, but they're my own personal goals. And so I try to make sure the messaging is always you have to have an end point. You have to have something you're shooting for to keep yourself on track. Otherwise, you're just kind of existing, and no one's been a success by just existing and that's, that's just right. not healthy for your career or for your personal life.
2: That's right. And you know there's a, there, I guess there's a difference between a plan and a goal, right? A, a goal right. is 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 an end point, something you want to reach. A plan is, you know, what am I going to be doing every day to get to a certain exactly. place. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And from a we just have a couple minutes left. My last question is really more about personal development and tell me what you think it is Sharice, that you um believe your your gifts are that that you want to focus on and contribute you know to the bigger the bigger picture the world you've clearly succeeded in in um your career and and proving your your abilities and success there but from a personal development standpoint um what is it that you you focus on ah uh, well like i said you know at at this point so many
1: of my personal goals relate Relate to my kids and my husband and my family, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like, I look at my kids now and I'm like, I'm learning a lot of patience. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, I'm learning a lot about, you know, it's, it's interesting because part of being a good lawyer is articulating very difficult concepts and making it very, you know, simple yes. and making it plain speak for your clients. Try that with a five year old and a three year old. <laughs> I, I would had to go into one of their classes and talk about what I, what I do all day, and I was like, ooh, okay. And so I really think about that. But, you know, like I went into my daughter's class to talk about being a working mom in this industry. And it was important to me to kind of, you know, like I said, all kids are the same and I love them all. But I was focused on letting those little girls see that Quinn's mommy does something else other than being Quinn's mommy. And so – And that it's doable and that it can happen. And so that's very important to me is to basically be a role model to young women and, like I said, my daughter and my son as well. Like, I want him to marry someone who has goals and who has things that are important to her that have nothing to do with him. And I realize that from my perspective, the way they learn that is just to be a good role model at home and love them and be around for them, but also let them know I have something that's
2: greater than them. Yeah. Very, very nice last words for our audience, Sharice. Thank you so much (laughs) for joining me. It was a great conversation. Thank you uh, so much. I, I really appreciate it. That's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch. Have a great week.